Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week, we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week, we watched The Amazing Spider-Man 2, directed by Mark Webb and released in 2014. The plot of this movie, following his graduation, Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man, struggles with staying away from ex-girlfriend Gwen Stacy to fulfill a promise he made to her father, which becomes more difficult as an old friend returns and an accident at Oscorp creates a new threat to New York City. I didn't know whether to make a joke about the director being named Webb or to let you make your joke about what you call it. Spider-Man 2 Electro Boogaloo. Yay! It seems accurate. Seems rather accurate. Um, yeah, I'm sure the Mark Webb jokes were all done when the first one came out because it's the same director. No doubt. Okay, so this movie has Peter, like the first scene we've got Peter's parents dying and then we've got Peter in the middle of a fight with, for some reason, Paul Giamatti who was in two scenes in this movie and then it's his graduation and he breaks up with Gwen and then the plot starts. <laughs> <laughs> and we see, we see a Stan Lee at graduation. Yeah, that's right. Paul Giamatti's in two scenes because he's being he's going to be a villain for next time. Yeah, I know. It just seems like a waste of, like, if you're going to have him in this movie, have him in this movie. Don't, because he was such an odd mm. sort of, it was it was really like a major actor in a minor part, which gave away that he was going to be a major part later. Yes. Which was annoying. Mm -hmm. Which is why they didn't bring in Shailene Woodley, as I believe they planned to. Oh, they, it, I mean, this movie was overstuffed enough as it was. Anyway, and then we've got Max Dillon, who's played by Jamie Foxx, who is obsessed with Spider-Man, getting into an accident at work and turning into Electro, who is blue and controls electricity. And then he goes to Times Square, of course, to cause a big ruckus, an electric ruckus. It's a <laughs> shocking, shocking scene. And then, like... That, But by that stage, Gwen and Peter are already back together. And I can't remember anything that happens in between those two parts. Gwen and Peter kind of, it's weird how they get back together. No, they're not. like They're not they're back together, a, but they are, they've but they're like, not. gone on a date. Like They've agreed to meet up or something and but anyway, are on the date. Oh, why And These two, oh, my God. It was all just like, ugh, they just, I think they just wanted to do this whole thing where they had to get them together and then in order to make the comic book plot happen. Well, okay. I, um, I'm going to talk about something else first. Yeah. Um, in, in between those times, I think Harry is introduced, reintroduced, where Harry yep. was supposed to be away at boarding school for 10 years. So you completely don't get the whole Harry and Peter important friendship that is, you know, the core of their whole storyline. Yeah, so they so have that's to fake gone. that. Ha Harry's dad is Norman Osborn, played by Chris Cooper, who's in one scene. Mm. Was he, he was and in it's the a last horrible, movie, horrible introduction to the two of them. Was he in the last movie? Norman Osborn? No. Oh, no. No, he wasn't in the last one, though. I thought, I thought he was. Never mind. You see a man in a hat talking to someone at the end of the movie, but I don't think Norman was in it. No. I'm not, I don't remember. Anyway, yep. it's a terrible introduction scene. Like, really terrible. Yep. Horrible. <laughs> anyway. Um, and, yeah, and then that happens in between and... Aunt May is going to nursing school, which is important for God knows what reason. Well, I don't know. That's to show how how they're poor and they don't have any money. I know, and she's trying to send him to college and she's like, like another, 60 and going back to school. It's another subplot. Like, it's great. I'm interested in Aunt May. But there's already 60 subplots. We don't need that one as well. And then on the top of that, Peter is trying to find out more information about his dad, which doesn't fit into this movie anyway. Uh, in a lot of ways. No, in a lot of ways it doesn't. Although like, it's super interesting. If this were a TV show, I would be totally interested in the um, 
I can't remember his name, Richard Parker storyline. Yeah, that would that was cool. Well, it, yeah, it. I mean, I think what they basically did was there's two movies worth of stuff in this, yeah. and they've shoved it all into one so that the next one can be about something else. Mm. Is sort of what they did, I think. Mm-hmm. And they could have held off on the Gwen Stacy thing, although no, then I probably would have been even madder about it. So spoilers ahead for anybody who hasn't doesn't know about the big thing that happens to Gwen Stacy in the Spider Man comics, as if anybody who knows about Spider Man couldn't know about that. But anyway. So they fridged Gwen. Yes. Well, Gwen is what fridging is named after. The no. Gwen State No, that nineteen seventy three fridging of Gwen Stacy, that's not literally named after her. She was like the one of the first like and most famous fridgings of all time. Yes, but the yeah. naming the name of fridging comes from the girlfriend of the Flash, I think, who was yeah. shoved into a fridge. Right, but uh, yeah, Gw- Gwen Stacy is one of the first times where we probably s- call it out as a tr- people started calling it out as a trope. Yes, um, I think there was an article I re- read recently that called it Gwen Stacy syndrome, and I was like, mm, that's the one. I can see why it Gwen it Stacy syndrome was what it was fridging. called before it was called fridging. Yeah, that's where I'm going with that. It's not quite as catchy, but anyway. No, so um, that's why we moved on to fridging. Yeah, and it's a hugely famous comic called The Day Gwen Stacy Died, and they really had no choice other than to do it. Yeah, I know that. And I understand that, was... but it's problematic in the comics, which makes it no less problematic in this movie, especially since the movie is so overstuffed in the first place, and so it feels like an addendum at the end. And also, the way she dies is incredibly out of character for the Gwen Stacy we know. She doesn't. She just falls. She doesn't scramble for the edge or try and find something to hold on to or fight the way we've come to know the character. Well, I mean, yeah, but that in I mean in the comics he threw her off a bridge and mm. at least this one she came and wanted to be involved and wanted to yeah. like she went into this fight with her eyes open. Yes. As opposed to just being an innocent bystander in it. Which is true, but that's why it was weird that she just literally just falls down this But she was already hanging from anyway. Yeah. And in the comics I think he breaks her neck, but it seems like in the movie she might have hit her head. I think it's meant to be the same as in the comics that this Spider-Man's web causes whiplash and it breaks her neck. Okay. It's meant to be It the was same. hard to tell. Yeah, it was, it's meant to be ambiguous, Okay, I think. But I, I'm pretty, like, 90% sure that comic canon is that the webbing breaks her neck. Yes. Yeah, and I think, I, to me, it looked the same in this. Yeah. So, yeah, there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest problem with it is that we've already had a boss battle just before this happened. Yep. Like, Spidey fights Electro. And in, in a really good battle, too. Really well done battle with cool music and stuff. Oh, I hated the music in that. <laughs> I I didn't really like this movie, as you can tell. I thought that because there's there's so much mood whiplash with the cheesy, as opposed to the angsty. Like they've made it, they've taken it into too angsty a place with the first one anyway. Mm. And so the only person who sort of balances that is Andrew Garfield. Everything else is like just mood whiplash. Like one minute it's super serious, and the next minute he's being super cheesy. And there's like the um Incy Wincy Spider song, and the Spider Man theme is his um phone ringtone. And all that sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah. I, I was actually going to say something about that. The only thing that saved it from like being just completely awful was Andrew Garfield's charm and, and Emma, Stone. Emma Stone's kind of talent. Mm. But that was what saved it. The, and their two- chemistry together. Fortunately, they don't have that um, mm. real life couple. No, they're problem. really good together. And he's really charming and she's really lovely and a wonderful person to kind of hang on to, mm. despite the like, just from, we know she's going to die from like the beginning of the first movie, pretty much. Like, yeah. And it's just. Uh, that, I know that, she's going to die as soon as they said there was going to be Gwen Stacy. Yeah, that's right. It's like having Sean Bean in your movie. It's instantly <laughs> a spoiler. And so you kind of just like – and that, so that's always like hanging over you. But she's wonderful and Emma Stone is really good yeah. at doing her. 
And, you know, the whole, I like the idea of him trying to save somebody actually kills them and the breaking neck thing because, you know, there's a lot of physics problems with these movies. Right, they exactly. sort of address that a little bit. But it is just fridging. I mean, it's it's literally just killing her to make his man pain worse. And it's not like he didn't have enough of it in this movie. Well, it's exactly. It's not like there's not enough angst with his uncle slash father figure dying is the genesis of the Spider-Man story in the first place. Plus, we find out what really happened to his parents when they died and all and abandoned him. And, all and the there's other, the Harry thing. And not having enough money. And Aunt May is off at nursing school because they don't have enough money and all that sort of stuff. And Harry's best friend that they have to manufacture betraying him. And oh, my gosh. And then, like, well, the guy the who's his fan who's really just mentally ill and, like, the the worst music for that as well was awful. Caricature of a nerd ever. <laughs> yeah, that was really awful. I was just like, ugh. Well, I, I mean, if they had – I don't know. But the music for that had – like, when the voices in his head were singing at him as part of the score, mm. I was like, what the hell is that? Seriously. I actually thought the score was kind of cool and it worked. I didn't like it. The techno score worked with the electric thing. Yeah, that, that mm. didn't bother me so much as, like, introducing – I don't know. It, it just – a lot of it was – I didn't like that character very much either. I didn't think that it was done well. I didn't think Jamie Foxx was very good at it. No, it was a terribly done character. Like, mm. it was – what were they even thinking in 2014 making a movie about a nerd where he's, like, got a pocket protector and big glasses? What were they even thinking? I don't know. Oy. There's not just that. I mean, it's it, he's also the creepy stalker type, which is possibly to distract slightly from Peter's um, slight stalker tendencies in this one. Well, yeah, I guess. And then Gwen's charmed by it, and I'm like, that's gross. Yeah, I know. Like it's it. disturbing, isn't it? You'd think Gwen, of all people, would call him out on that one. Right, and be like, um, you're following me around? Ew. Yes. Yeah. But no, she didn't. Yeah, he, he's just a terrible caricature of a thing. And Martin Circus, I don't know if you know who that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. New Zealander, playing German? Was he German? Russian, <laughs> he was maybe? Russian. I think he I is German, actually. Some he terrible accent. Kafka, I think the, Kafka. the Dr. Oh, yeah. Kafka. Yeah. And he is like, every time I saw him, my brain was like, incoming ham alert. That was the hammiest performance I've mm. ever seen, I think. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> it was, so, it was so bad. And so out of place. And like, in all these mental, hos- I mean, um, psychiatric hospital scenes that yeah. were just like torture, basically. And you were like, what is this? It came, what is going on? I think it, it's it, it's come straight out of the comic book. Like, and it seems like it was written in another time when they had this idea of asylums and crazy Germans being yeah. psychiatrists. It just doesn't seem to belong in. Yeah, yeah. What are they doing in 2014 making this? I know that's the thing. Yeah. I think that's the problem. Is like um, they tried to shove too much comics in there. There's introduction to the Sinister Six, which is like yep the group of villains. So you see all this vulture and. Oct- uh, um, Oc- Doc, Oc. Doc, Oc. Doc Octopus. That's his name. Mm. I'm like, Octopussy. Nope. Wrong one. <laughs> um, it's better. I like yours better. <laughs> um, all that stuff. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and Rhino is one of them. Like, because they all want to be the next Avengers. Yes. And so they all want the unified universe thing. But mm-hmm. then they're never going to have it with Spider-Man anyway. Because, because he's in the original Avengers. Exactly. So they've already removed him from that universe. And also because this isn't good. The Marvel Marvel movies are good. Yeah. Like, even Thor 2, which is probably my least favourite Marvel movie, is still better than this. Even Thor, which is my least favourite Marvel movie, is better than this. Yeah. Yeah, they're all just... Anyway, there's so many problems with this. And I feel like we haven't even said everything that's in the movie. Oh, um, like, 
Harry's assistant is Felicia, who mm. is supposed to be Black Cat, Felicia Hardy. Oh, okay. And it's played by another really, really talented actress, Felicity Jones, who was in it for two seconds. And doesn't do anything. <laughs> and much. doesn't do anything. Mm. But they just throw her at the screen as well because she's in the comics. Why not? Yeah, and they, they have that whole thing where Harry is just like, right, Felicia works for me now and she's in charge of all of you, mm-hmm. which is great. And I'm all for that, like, rise of the executive assistant. But I have a soft spot for executive assistants because I was one. But you just, like, what? What? She's not. She hasn't established herself as Pepper Potts, who quite legitimately is made CEO of Tony Stark's company because she's smarter than he is. No, but he must have read the comics. He knows she's in the comics. Basically, everything happens because it happened in the comics. Yeah. And but Dane DeHaan, that's another one. Dane DeHaan is a great actor. Yeah, he's fantastic. And he, he does is... a really good job here too. But he's stuck with this awful yeah. material. Have you seen Chronicle? No, I've only seen him okay. in Kill Your He Your does this much better in Chronicle. Right. Basically the same thing. No, he's going to be an amazing villain. Like, he really is. No, but the thing is, he's not. Spo- Harry's not supposed to be like a straight-up villain, especially not straight away. Mm. I don't know why they skipped over the Green Goblin and went straight to Hobgoblin. Because a whole part of that was his relationship with his father and all that. And they sort of tried to shoehorn that in like by getting around it, but it didn't quite work. Yeah. Um, especially since we don't know his relationship with his father, because we got one scene of his father berating him. And mm. that's it. Right, yeah. So was... you don't get any sense of him being loyal to his dad or being conflicted or any of that stuff. No, it's not. there's not enough going on. There's not enough development there no. for that one, which is what the first series movies did a lot better when they brought in James Franco and they had the whole established friendship before mm. he turned villain in the second movie. Yeah, why didn't they just have Harry in the last one? Mm. It would have fitted in. Like, the last one had not enough going on and this one has too much going on. Yeah, after all remembering the last one, I saw it when I saw it, I was jet lagged. But yes. I see. It was just like, it was a lot of a lot of being establishing, angsty, yeah. basically, That's for right. like two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And this, this one was also two and a half hours. Yeah. It, I, did, I did have to look at my watch a couple of times. Like, it was definitely felt long. Yeah. I was so like, are we there yet? Especially whenever Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone weren't on screen, which was a surprising chunk of the time, considering that mm-hmm. it's called Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, they, he was, there were so many scenes that I just didn't care about. Like, there was no emotional connection to those. There was a lot of them, and I was bored. Yeah. There's, and there's no sort of emotional hook because you're going getting jerked around so much. Mm. So, like, it feels like they're forcing emotion on you at the end yes. with Gwen. And while that is a wonderfully acted scene, really well acted, mm. it doesn't really get you where it's supposed to because you're just sort of like... Because you're like, yeah, of course she's going to die. Like, that- yeah. That's been going to happen for all of this movie has been set up just to make her die. Like all of these two movies. And they weren't shy about it either. They released pictures of her in her Night When Stacy Died outfit, mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. So they didn't care about the spoilers, obviously. No, no. It was like um, was like Marvel are good at that. Actually, they, they like will tell you stuff that's really obviously well known. Like Winter Soldier in, in um, mm. Captain America 2. Like there was no mystery about that. And there was no – you weren't – like I didn't feel sad about it. I was just like – yeah, we've got to the point where Gwen dies now and that's what happens and that's what's going to happen and that's, there's nothing I could do to stop it and there's no point getting upset about it and I didn't really get upset about it. I did, but only in the sense of... The f- bit being a fridging? Yeah, it being a fridging and being a waste of a good character to start with. But also, he did a really good job. Mm. Like, I know it's only for Peter's man pain, but I felt bad for Peter. Me too. After that oh, happened. Gosh, he's he so, was so upset. He's so good. Andrew yes. Garfield is so good and he's the reason I'll give this movie probably a passing grade because I just really like him. Andrew Garfield actually got me through this thing because he was so good and you felt for him and you 
he, he was so charming. He's so charming. And that's kind of what carries it. It's charm. Yeah. It's not even like that he had good material to work with. Mm-hmm. It was. It's that he's very charming. I liked the last scene. I think that might have been my favorite moment in the whole movie with the little boy who goes and stands <gasps> yes! up to Rhino. Gosh, that was wonderful. And then Peter's like, I'll take it from here. You go take care of your mum. And I was like, just so great. That was so wonderful. Well, and that's the spirit of Spider-Man, the spirit of the comics. That's why little kids love Spider-Man mm. because they think they're brave and they know they can do it. And mm. he and he's that's the appeal of Spider-Man, of course, is that he's so every man. And and it's really funny because he's a lot of the characters where they have no powers but they're um, superheroes, like Batman and Iron Man, are the opposite of every man because they're so wealthy and all that kind of stuff. Spider-Man is like really rooted in or reality. Black Widow. Black Widow. Yeah. He's like rooted in reality. He has money problems. He lives in a bad part of town. He's, you know, struggling to get through his classes and he's got girl troubles. He's really, really relatable. Mm. Yeah. I was going to say something about little kids. Oh, I read this review that was like Spider-Man's indestructible. Mm-mm. And I was like, Spider-Man's not indestructible, but I can kind of see where you get that from in this movie. Right. Like, we don't see any physical toll on Spider-Man, really. And I think that was a problem with it, because you don't ever take this battle seriously. Because he's got Unless healing. Gwen's dying. Right. And he's got the healing power. Yeah, I know, but he doesn't have, like, in the mm. first ones, you saw him get beat up a lot. Yeah. Like, he can still die. He's not Wolverine. No, <laughs> like, no. He has, he has some regenerative powers. It doesn't <laughs> just vanish as soon as he gets hurt. And he was thrown around a lot, and you would think, like, and then he got shirtless. You'd think that he's some bruising or something. Think. And I was looking for the bruising. I mean, you know, <laughs> I wanted to make sure he was okay. And so I was looking intently yeah, yeah, me too. to make sure he was okay. <laughs> and there wasn't any bruising or anything. And then, of course, the whole thing that doesn't make him invincible is the bit where Gwen dies basically at his hands. Yeah, I don't really like what that says about relationships between men and women and that sort of thing, though. Because it means that he is invulnerable except through his girl. And I found that really problematic. Yes. When I read that thing, like when I was watching the movie, I didn't really, it didn't click for me. And then I read that and I'm like, but he's not invulnerable. Mm. And he really shouldn't have been. And that proved problematic to me. Like, how is he invulnerable, but Electro can be killed? Electro is literally electricity. Right. And Electro can actually pull himself apart and put himself back together again. Yeah. Like, and, yet, his, and his yet- clothes. Yet we can blow my oh yeah the little black shorts oh my god that made it. we laughed at that in the cinema it's because they can't, couldn't have another big blue dong you re- remember um, yeah, Watchmen. Watchmen yeah they couldn't um, they couldn't do that again so they have like fake shorts and like Wolverine's adamantium pants in X Men yeah. Three when his skin is getting flayed off and his pants stay yeah. on yeah it's like we've got to so keep the PG rating or whatever rating they had I don't know it must have been PG because you saw no there's no blood there's no like. Hmm. The violence has no um, consequences. Yeah, it's PG. Until Gwen Stacy dies. Of course it's PG. It's, so, so Spider-Man's huge with kids, like small kids. Hmm. Which worries me about what the, the message small kids are getting when they're killing off Gwen Stacy. Well, this is what we talked about. <laughs> I'm going to re- reference the Lego podcast, which has still not come out. <laughs> anyway, where, this is what we talked about when we talk about kids' movies. We talked about it in um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and, other ki- and Frozen and other stuff. The, the gender politics in kids' movies is worse. Hmm been a lot of gender politics in movies aimed at adults and it's really really disturbing mm-hmm. and that's and this again when you think of it from the perspective of a kids movie and, it, and of course this is spider-man's all ages but he's certainly very popular among kids it's really disturbing when you think of that 
I wonder if part of the problem with the mood whiplash thing that I got was because they were trying to split their audience too much. Like they were trying to appeal to little children mm. with all the slapstick rubbish. Him trying to save all of the bits of plutonium or whatever it was. And then balancing that with Gwen's death. Mm. And like the disturbing fact that his father might have sold out his family for money and some other like darker side things. It's interesting. And I would be... And poor Harry... Interested because I have a particular child in mind who's a little four-year-old, and I, I don't know. Like I don't think you could take along a four-year-old to see this in no. the cinemas, and I don't know how you would go about explaining the death of Gwen Stacy because I don't know how well four-year-olds are across death. I don't think they're quite they quite fully grasp the concept. No, and especially if they're into comic book stuff and they watch a lot of sci-fi, they might think that death is just a temporary thing <laughs> until they bring you back in the next movie. Well, I I think. Gwen kind of got brought back, but not properly. Anyway. Um, oh, okay. I, do, I don't the know other thing is, about it. I feel like Dane DeHaan is like a dark actor. Mm. Like, he almost seems like he doesn't actually fit in this movie because he's almost too... Uh, he's almost too good at it. Like, he's almost too dark for it. Do you know what I mean? Right. And he's he's so amb- well, like he's, morally ambiguous as well. His Hobgoblin is really seriously scary. Mm-hmm. Is more, I suppose, because Electro's not scary. Even when he's really bad, he's not scary. No, not no. He's just a villain. He's well, not. He's not even like. Well, he's like a. Villain he's a victim you... of circumstance. Yeah. Like he's. I felt like more than anything, Max was a victim mm-hmm. because he was clearly he clearly had some real mental health issues. Yeah. That were then compacted by compacted compounded by his time being tortured. And then hit the accident, which wasn't his fault, <laughs> electrocuted, then fell into a tank of electric eels, <laughs> which will probably always be my favorite supervillain's like, origin, origin ever. Yeah. <laughs> but the accident wasn't his fault. And then even him in New York, in Times Square well, wasn't just, his fault. He's just trying to get, like, electricity is food for him. So yeah. he's just trying to feed himself and keep alive. That's not... Yeah, and then he gets tortured. And then that scene was also weird because of what Electro said that was not really him. Yeah. Very strange. And then when Harry comes to break him out, I actually really liked that scene. I thought that scene was really good good because Harry's like, I need you. And and Max is just like, oh, my God, somebody cares about me Mm. and flips. And that was was really good and possibly elevated by the fact that Dane DeHaan was in it. Mm. And so then he gets manipulated by Harry, who's very intelligent, mm-hmm. much more so than Max, yep. um, and knows how to get what he wants, as we've seen earlier in a couple of... Actually, most of the Dane DeHaan scenes were good in spite of the fact that they're badly written. He does he, such a good job in he's amazing, right? Yeah. He's a bit like Emma Stone in this. He's, he's the victim of circumstance, really. Mm. Like he, He's fantastic. No, not in this. I really don't think he is. He goes... He snaps from like... Sorry, the actor, not the oh. character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Gwen is a much more likable, it's a likable character. No, no, Harry in this, likeable. you're like, why were they ever friends? He's awful. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Sorry, I'm not talking yet about that. I'm talking about why these fantastic actors are in this job, mm. and that does a disservice to them because he's really good and he's really relatable. And he, like all good villains, you feel sorry for him and you understand where he's coming from. And I didn't feel that sorry for him in this, mostly because instead of actually, I don't know, it was too fast. Mm. Like, he doesn't really try different avenues. And whenever he does, he's, like, already a crumbling mess. He just goes evil. Yeah, exactly. He just sort of goes, 
oh my god, you don't, you don't want to help me. You are a horrible person. I'm going to kill your girlfriend. Like mm. from nowhere. It it really is. It's just this like, it's much too quick. And also the onset of the disease is much too quick because his dad had it for like 30 years before he died. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, that's a problem as well. But putting that aside, his own moral deterioration is too fast. Yep. Whereas the other Harry's, James Franco's Harry's, was much slower and much more believable. Well, we had him for a whole movie as well. We Two, had the three. Movies. No, sorry. Well, didn't he go bad in no, the second? He didn't go bad till the third one. I have oh, the I've end only, of the second one. To be fair, I've only seen the first two. Of I those think he does ones. in the very end of the second one. Yeah, that's when he does it. Yeah, that's right. You're right. It does. Yeah. So we've got a long time establishing that friendship. Exactly, and it's a didn't... real friendship. It's mm-hmm. not just one scene of them chatting. Right, and that one scene was good. I really liked the scene of the two of them making friends. That was yeah, really well but done. It... But it was not. As you say, it's not quite enough. Yeah, I had a lot of feelings about this. And not in a good, I had a lot of feelings about Captain yeah. America 2 way. I think I just got a bit bored, really. I was like, there's lots going on, and it's great. But here I am looking at my watch for the fifth time. And it was fun, and I really like Andrew Garfield, and I really like Emma Stone, and I really like Dane DeHaan, and I feel a bit sad that it wasn't better because I know they are better. Well, that's the thing about this reboot that I've said repeatedly is that the casting is better and the writing is worse because mm. the other thing about Good the call. earlier ones yeah is that they weren't as dark no no they, they were. were definitely except like the third one I, I haven't seen it to be fair but that's all where he goes black isn't it <laughs> spider-man goes black i mean his suit goes black <laughs> you mean he goes emo you haven't seen that no i haven't seen oh that oh my god when we finish this i'm is... gonna have to show you the youtube clip of just the time when he goes all emo and starts like this it's is before so my time as a proper nerd. I was, oh. this was back when I was a mainstream movie fan. Actually, you know what? We're just going to watch the whole movie because, like, when you know it's bad, it's hilarious. Okay. It's a mess. It is such a mess, the third one. But, you know, at least you still – I still kind of felt the Harry and and Peter thing. Yeah. And then there's the whole problem of the fact that it's, it is, like, a too soon remake. Like, mm. I know they're trying to keep the rights and they're doing the same with the Fantastic Four and they just have to because of Marvel and them all the rights issues that they've got going on. But it They just... have to because if they if Ugh. this reverted back to Marvel, Marvel would make a good movie. Yeah, they would. They'd make a fantastic movie. And we'd have and make more Andrew money. Garfield in the Avengers as Spider-Man and it would be the best thing that had ever happened. I don't know if Andrew Garfield could be in it. I don't know. I don't know how the contracts would work. Yeah. Hmm. But that would be amazing because he is so a perfect. Amazing. He's a perfect Spider-Man. He's really good at this. He's so and he good. loves Spider-Man. Mm. And you can tell in every single scene that he does in this well, that he, he loves Spider-Man. He feels a great responsibility of being Spider-Man as well. Like when he's out of character, he he goes and meets kids in his costume and he turns up at Comic-Con in his costume and he has he sees the responsibility of playing a superhero to little kids and that well, is amazing. You know, I know great the, power. Yeah, I know that. And I know the other actors do that too. I know you've, if you ever see Chris Evans with kids, you will, your ovaries will just go. <laughs> yeah, I, I reblogged something about the, earlier today where he got sent a little card of him as the as the Flash, actually. Oh. And he held, like took a photo of himself holding it up and wrote a birthday card out to the kid. And he was like, thank right. you for the drawing. It's amazing. And when Super you cute. get an actor and, who um, understands that, and Robert Downey Robert Jr. Downey is really Jr. good at it too. Yeah. It was who I was going to bring up because he had a, like his birthday, he watched Iron Man. Um, no, he watched. Was it Captain America? He had a, he had a screening of Captain yeah, America with a some, bunch of kids, right? Because he's awesome. Yeah, and I, he's, I feel like he would fit right into the Marvel family. 
Yes. Like he would he would hang out with those guys and they would be all super fun and it would be amazing. Yeah, the only thing that they seem to have learned from Marvel is how to cast well. Right. And also that when you've got a some kind of deal going on with Fo- between Fox and Sony, we can put a post credit <laughs> sequence about the X-Men in there because <laughs> That made Why not? me laugh because I was like, I, I felt like the only reason that Fox and Sony were um, ganging up was to keep their own uh, little universes away from Marvel. Ex- that's exactly right. Completely right. There is some actual contractual detail. Something about directors. Yes, that's right. Uh, something like that. I can't exactly. Oh, maybe it was Brian Singer. Probably. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head right now what it is. I'll look it up and I'll put it in the because show Because Brian Singer hasn't done an X-Men movie for, X-Men movie for a while, has now he? Now he's back. Yeah. And now he's in trouble. But anyway, it's really disturbing, and I hope I don't really know what's going on there. So I, that's very upsetting. Um, um, anyway, but yeah, uh, you know that that Marvel would take Spider-Man and make it good again, and the Fantastic Four and the X-Men. I don't know about Fantastic Four. I think Fantastic Four is just pretty shit anyway. No, I think Fantastic Four is best served as like a kids' TV show or something. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I think Fantastic Four is just something that is more skews younger or maybe something that's aimed at kids. Okay. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. Like as a serial or something? Mm-hmm. That's what it seems like to me. Yep. Now, I'm sure there's going to be fans who love it who are going to disagree with me, but that's how I feel about Fantastic Four. Fair enough. I just I feel like all the Marvel family should be back at Marvel. It would make me much happier if I, it's TV deals. TV. I'm not talking about TV. I think movie like deals in Hollywood just ruin everything. It's the reason we well, can't all get like decent TV streaming at a decent price. I mean, they sold everywhere. off they sold off the rights to Spider Man and X Men, Spider Man and X Men, so that they could start funding their own movies, really, mm. Marvel. And look what they did with that. And they did an amazing, amazing thing. That's true. Yeah, hmm. it's just a shame about Spider Man. Like even the X Men, I could live with not being around in the Marvel but universe. Spider Man, Spider Man, particularly a great addition. And he, and because he has that like working class Jewish outsider background thing going on i think that's a really good point of diversity point of difference and poor and poor sorry that's why i meant working class when i said working class i meant poor yeah i yeah, think yeah. working class is sort of i mean really captain america was working class that's true too but he wasn't he he's not poor in the same way that spider-man no, is, especially now yeah and i think that's an important element to add into the avengers because mm. it's something that, that it is actually missing at the moment <laughs> I remember there's somebody reblogged a while ago this these chunks from the comics that are like um, everybody has a price and it says I can't remember, oh uh, with Wolverine they're like we have beer and he's like I'm in and then to Spider Man they go we have money and he's like oh thank God and he hugs Spider Man <laughs> and J Jonah Jameson doesn't pay him properly I lo- I want to see mm. J Jonah Jameson in these movies he's funny put him in yeah yeah he's good. And he also provides that tension, like the real life stuff for Spider-Man, but for Peter, as well as the tension between being poor and having a boss like that and all that sort of stuff. Right. Important, like real world relatable stuff. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know why they don't have him. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. Probably for the same reason that they do everything with the Spider-Man movies. Money. Bad decision making. (laughs) No, really. Like, Uh, I don't get it. We should probably wrap up the show, though, because it's after. Okay. We've run out I talked a lot. That's all right. No, no. We're going to talk about Divergent now. That's true. And you're And I've drunk all my familiar. wine. We, we, sh- we can get more before the next podcast. There's more wine? Yeah. Yay! Okay. Not, not quite that much, though, for each of us. Okay. That's fine. Let me wrap it up. What are you giving it out of? Two. two. I gave it two stars. I give it two and a half. Oh, I do want to say there were a couple of scenes that were enjoyable and that I liked. I haven't talked about any of them, but I liked bits of it. 
What did you like? Do you have I liked uh, well we talked actually a little bit about a couple of scenes that I liked. Anything where Gwen and Peter were together was good. Mm-hmm. All of that was good. Yeah. I remember those scenes. <laughs> yeah. Let me put it that way. There's some things I don't remember. Aunt May saying I'm not going to hurt you. That scene was amazing. She was mm-hmm. Sally Field is just giving her all to this. And I appreciate it because Otherwise, Aunt May could just be nothing. And their relationship is gorgeous. Oh, isn't it? Oh, it just makes me sad and happy and oh. Yeah. Yeah. So that was good. And some of the fight scenes were fun. Mm -hmm. Some of them were overdone, I thought. But the one, yeah, the Electro and and Peter one was actually really well done. Yeah. Much better done than the Peter and Hobgoblin one that came right after. Yeah, yeah. It was good. Those things. Yeah, yeah. And Andrew Garfield. Yeah, exactly. So two from you, two and a half from me. Thanks very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you want to read the show notes or find out anything else about us, you can do that on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's blog, it's silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com and you can find her review of Spider-Man 2 and any other movies that she watches over there. We've also got a Twitter at screen underscore queens and we have a Facebook page which you can like and we have a Tumblr, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.